When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What a game, what a game, what a game. Bryce Harper hit a pair of bombs. Aaron Nola went five plus great innings. And B-Ball Paul dished out five assists. How you doing, Rich? Name a more iconic trio. <laughs> yes. Obviously, the Phillies uh, you know, picked up a crucial game three win. That is not the game that we are here to talk about. We will talk about the Sixers' 112-101 loss to the Boston Celtics in their second preseason game. And again, I think it's important that we're here to talk to you about the Sixers game because I don't know if anybody actually watched that. Looking at what we saw from the stands, there weren't very many people there. We understand why, but there's also a lot of people very interested. I'm not going to say excited because that's, you know, it's going to take more than one preseason game for fans to get excited after the offseason that they had. But a lot of the people that are interested and invested in this team and we watch the game so we can get you up to speed. Let's do it, buddy. So I guess I'm going to ask you three questions here and I'm going to ask you which ones you buy. Jaden Springer as a useful NBA player, Danny Green back after the injury and his season in Cleveland, or the Sixers backup center problems being a real legitimate problem. Which one of those three do you buy? I would say the third one I don't buy because I think Paul Reed is going to be the backup center. And I think the things he's doing as a starting center in two games against a really tough matchup are hard. The other two, I would say, I don't completely buy yet, but the signs in the first two games of the preseason, okay, we're we're trending in the right direction there, right? Yep. So signs of spring, I guess we should probably point out Tyrese Maxey had another strong game, 17 points, 7 for 17 shooting, not as strong as maybe the first one. Hasn't really gone completely on fire from three-point range, but we believe in the jumper. It will be there. Kelly Oubre had a fantastic first half. After I had maybe a few tough words for him on our pregame show, had a fantastic first half, ended up with 18 points on eight shots. I believe at one point he had 15 points on five shots uh, there in the first half. He was really good, and we will certainly get into him. But for me, and this goes to where my mind is, I still think Jaden Springer is probably the story of the first two games, and he didn't have quite the same statistical output as the other two, but he ended up with 10 points, three rebounds on four for six shooting, including two for three from three. And he just did a number of things, a spin move in traffic, a couple of catch and shoot threes, even contested ones, a couple of decent passes. And again, I think the bar with him is so low offensively where if he just is competent, and makes the right decisions and makes enough threes. And that's a very key point. And we're definitely not at a sample size where we can believe in that. He is going to be on the floor. And now that you're two games in a row of him showing that, again, Kelly Oubre was great, but I think I have an idea of what Kelly Oubre is at this point in his career. Paul Reed will get better when James, I'm going to say when, if James Harden gets back, that will help Paul Reed. Jaden Springer to me is one of the great unknowns. We've been very confident and very giving a lot of praise on his defense. The fact that he is looking like a competent NBA player two days in a row, that is going to be my biggest takeaway. I I think for me, so so let me ask you, what do you think 
Jaden Springer's ideal offensive role is. And like, let's not get too crazy. I mean, everybody's ideal offensive role is to be like the primary initiator on a championship team. But I, I think what we have seen from him in his first couple of years and projecting maybe optimistically, but not crazily. Like, like what yep. do you think that role is exactly? I mean, it's mostly just stand in the corner, make open shots and cut when he's off ball and crash the offensive glass. Quite frankly, he can do that. Um, I don't think you really want him doing too much, but you do want him where if they close out, he can attack off the dribble. If, you know, he had, there's a, a pass available to him. They rotate over to him. He can make that pass. And I think he's shown enough over these first two games we are certainly encouraged by that. I think the three-point shot is everything. Yep. Uh, and it's been a small sample, but he's made a couple. I actually kind of like the one he missed tonight. It was like a yeah. little adventurous. And obviously the preseason is the time to uh, to get adventurous. But it, it was funny. I think the the one time, and it was different, with uh, instead of watching with you on press row, watching it on TV, yeah. I think the one time we had kind of the old, oh, holy crap, look at that move. Uh, was the Jaden Springer move on Al Horford. Mm -hmm. The best move on Al Horford I have seen since James Harden in the playoffs last (laughs) year. He had about four or five of them, I would say. Harden did. I didn't really know. I kind of felt like Shaq on that one. I didn't, you know, I'm a little unfamiliar with your game. (laughs) You know, like that was, obviously that's not what you are are going to rely on James Springer to do. But it was cool. But he pulled it off confidently. Yeah. Like he didn't look out of control. Like he spun, he gathered himself, he went up and on balance. Yeah, like it good. was like, whoa, what what the hell just happened here? And it was certainly, and look, preseason, you know, Boston might not be going at a hundred percent. Yada yada yada. This is I said it after the last game. That's the first time he really I, I watched him and I went, whoa, that's an NBA player. He came out and he did it two games in a row. And again, making the shots is key. It's going to be the biggest key because quite frankly, as long as he makes shots and defends, he's going to see time. If you then add in the fact that he's cutting, if you add in a freaking spin move every now and then, if you add in the fact that he's not making mistakes and he's making the passes when there's rotations, it's just, it's a real, if he plays like this, that's a big if, we're not there yet. If he plays this like this, it's really easy to slot him into an NBA rotation. I never would have said that a week ago. I never would have said that. So another question, considering where Matisse was when he came into the NBA, and honestly, Jaden's probably still younger than Matisse was. Well, when and he entered that's the a NBA. big thing. That's like there's a you know a, a there's a angel and a devil on my shoulder. The devil's like, oh, remember that month when Matisse just shot the like fifty five percent from three for a solid month and then reverted back. There's always that like two games is not a big enough sample size. He looks pretty confident going up. Will he look confident when he shoots one for ten over a three game stretch? And goes into a shell. That's a big question. You were all over that month. I believe it was December 2019. <laughs> yes. Matisse was cooking that month. Uh, so when you look at Jaden Springer, and I would say not as tall, obviously, probably not as athletic in terms of just jumping um, as Matisse. You know, in terms of changing directions, he, he probably has Matisse yeah. a little bit. Certainly doesn't have Matisse with the hand eye, although the hand eye got Matisse into trouble. But offensively, how like differently or similarly would you treat him? Compared to Matisse. I trust him to put the ball on the deck a little bit more. Yeah. Which I think is, is important for Matisse or important for Jaden because Matisse was obviously never a strong suit. I trust the catch and shoot shot a little more. And I, I think clearly he's got more ability to finish around the rim. You know, I think the strength that he the strength advantage that he has on Matisse helps. But it all comes down to the shot. Like if that shot leaves him, then he's not that much more. Like you can have the you know added strength and body control around the rim. You can have a little bit more dribble, drive game. If you're not making and taking those shots and forcing teams to guard you, none of that really matters. Especially it, as a role play off ball role player. It is funny in that he is he has a lot of the same strengths and weaknesses, but because he can put it on the floor a little more, and because he's more of a traditional defender, right? Yep. He is a fight over screens guy. He is a get under you. He is a slide your feet and kind of make the ball handler work. He's also very different from Matisse because Matisse was, he was looking for the angles to force the steals. And he was better than anyone in the league at that. Like legitimately might be the best in terms of like off ball deflections of anyone in the league for his position. And I think another thing with Springer too is if the Sixers are going to keep pushing the ball like they have in the early going. And I think in this game against Boston, the second game, I think we saw some good stuff, and then we saw some bad stuff. We yep. saw, you know, throw it ahead to Tyrese. Eh, you know, attacking Derek White one-on-one, 
yeah, that, that didn't work a couple of times, which is okay. It's it's the preseason, and you were trying to establish good habits and kind of yep. trying to establish a culture of fast-paced basketball, uh, pushing it ahead. Um, I think Jaden Springer also fits into that as well. Like, I think, obviously, I have some concerns about his ability to finish. We talked about the uh, the two-foot jumping on the, uh, the pregame pod. If you get him out in transition, then I like him a little more. Like, if you give him a head of steam and... And the ability to attack the rim, I, I actually think he can fit into that uh, yeah. a little more. No, look, he's he's. I, I was not expecting to spend this much time in our preseason talking about Jaden Springer, but he deserves it. And quite frankly, with the team where I think a lot of people have been frustrated over the offseason, I think that's probably the nicest way I can phrase that. To have a little bit of youth and a, a developing player maybe jump into a role that you didn't expect. Even if we're putting the cart before the horse a little bit, a little bit. <laughs> we just need a little bit of optimism coming into this season for a team that will could very well win. We got posed this question uh, on a previous pod over under 49 and a half wins. I think it's fair, but with Joel Embiid, you almost always approach that level, a team that could win 50 wins and we're struggling to find positives to talk about just because there's so much second round fatigue and hardened fatigue having this sort of jolt of energy with Jaden Springer. It's a nice change, of course. Sure. I'm taking the over, by the way. Yeah. No, I, I mean, Joe wins 50 games walking into sleep. Yeah. And yeah. could I see them lose under 50 games? Absolutely. Yeah, but yep. it's one of those things where we, we have a lot of data here that says if, if Joe is here, expect in the low 50s and, and that's what's going to yep. happen. Uh, I agree. I agree. We have Lucas asking whether or not we're going to be doing post-game pods as late as this during the regular season. We will try to do regular post-game pods, yeah. And I, But saying as late as this, I'm not entirely sure what he meant. The game ended like 10 minutes before we started. This is nice. Yeah. It's pretty uh, easy. It's 9.30 at night on a game that started at 7. I'm like, yeah, all right, whatever. Um, but yes, we will try to do post-game pods as frequently as we can. I think it's a it's a good thing to give fans. Well, maybe Lucas has some kids. You know, he's got to get them to bed. No, I mean, look, I'm an old man. 9.30 is late for me. I'm barely awake. I get it completely. Like, if we could start started at 9.25 instead of 9.30, like, sure, I get it. I get it. But yes, we will be doing post-game pods. And this was nice. You know, the, the Phillies game took a long time, but the Sixers game was it the I best? will say, if I forget something that happened during that game, we had three TVs going at the same time. I might have been distracted every now and then. If something happened during a couple of Bryce Harper's bombs, like... I might have missed it. I'm sorry. It's it's okay. I mean, I, I remember last season, in into the first three games of the year, do you remember, I believe it was after, they lost to San Antonio in the third game to go to 0-3. Mm-hmm. Yep. And Doc afterwards said, Man, we're not ready to win. Yeah, and, yeah. No, and people and we, freaked out. People freaked out, but it was in the middle of a game where the Phillies were playing in the NLCS just yep. hitting the ball out of the ballpark <laughs> yep. all night. So it kind of worked out. And Joel saying, yeah, we'll be all right. I, I know we lost to a... I don't know how many games the Spurs ended up winning last year. It wasn't a lot. No. But it was it was kind of funny that like that was the the main panic point during the regular season. And then they won a lot of games after that. Yeah. Yeah. There were some annoying points, like the the Houston loss. Uh, that was a frustrating one when James tried to uh prove to the world that he was the old James Harden and came up a little short. Well, and if, if you read the Ramona report, yeah, that, that was, was like a big deal. And I, yep. by the way, I also remember that game. That game was an absolute joke how Harden handled it. It also was his first game back yeah. in like a month. Yeah. Like it, I'm pretty sure we were on a pod going like, yeah, hey, it doesn't really matter. He's just trying to work his way back. I was like, I'm yeah, pretty that, sure it happened. that was horrible. But like, he also just came back after being out for an yeah. entire month. Yeah. Are you, are you concerned that Joe hasn't played at all? Like, I know there's no reported injury. I know all this stuff, but like, this was supposed to be the year. Like last year he came back with plantar fasciitis this year. He's good to go. And we just haven't seen him in two games. It's a little weird. I feel like they held them, held him back a lot last year. Although it is, I think, he, I think they held him back one game. Although it is kind of interesting because Nurse is on record saying, "Hey, we're gonna take the training wheels off this year. You know, yeah. he's gonna he's gonna play a lot of minutes." And by the way, I think the training wheels have been taken off for Joe yeah. for a long time. When he misses games, it's usually because he's either injured or it's a back to back. Yeah. So no, I'm not too concerned about it. I'd like to see him play next week. Is my my point? Like, you, okay, the NBA preseason isn't the biggest deal in the world, and you know he might be a little bit rusty against Milwaukee, but like. Let's see you run up and down the floor a little bit, Joe. I, I think part of the reason, too, and I, I'm not basing this off of, or I am basing this too much off of Sixers social media stuff. It looks like he's getting up and down. In these, yeah, uh, no, these he looks just, fine. He looks like he's moving fine. It's just, uh, I mean, I hate reading anything in the preseason. Um, it would just nice be nice to see him play. I don't know. I don't maybe know. he's watching the Phillies. He seems like he's pretty into it. He, I mean, he was. He, he came in Phillies here the other day. 
him sure. and then he yep. he tweeted no uh after the uh I think it was after the Jeff Hoffman cousin Jeff home run that he gave up yep. to uh to Austin Riley but yeah so we will uh <laughs> we will see if maybe he was watching the Phillies but uh, I, I would like to see him get up and down in the game it's it's always fun watching him play in those preseason games too because basically the other team is not trying to get hurt and he's just throwing his body around and getting like 20 points in like 10 minutes too. Yep. All I want to see is one half, just, just get up and down for a couple shifts, Joe, maybe play for, I don't know, five minutes into the third quarter, take a seat and we'll see you in Milwaukee. Honestly, I would just like to see him play just because like when Tyrese Maxey is playing with Joel Embiid and then when Tyrese Maxey is playing with Joel Embiid and um, James Harden, and then when he's playing alone, that's three completely different roles. I would just like to see what it looks like. When uh, you know he's playing the role that he's most likely going to play this year, like yeah. he, you, you talk about, we can talk about inefficiency or his, you know struggles, maybe creating shots for others. It's just without Joel Embiid, it's completely different. I just want to see him in the role that they need him to excel at. I I have a little bit of a hot take that I didn't even oh. run by oh. you uh, watching the game. This is the type of game I miss. Shake Milton. Wow. I agree. I think Shake was an important part of their rotation, especially their regular season rotation last year. Like he had that stretch in, was it December where he just won them like two or three games almost by himself when they were, you know, down some depth. Um, they could use a few more ball handlers and, and, and pick and roll players for sure. Well, especially when they are shorthanded too, which again, I, I know we just said that the training wheels have been taken off Joe, but he misses some time sometimes. And Harden does too. Yep. Harden might miss all the games this year. Who knows? Uh, but I think Kyle wrote in his piece on PHLY. Uh, you can check that out as his observations. Yep. Uh, he mentioned that Nurse's offense has a lot of east to west going on right now, which is, I think, is like cool to look at. But obviously, you do need somebody to get north and south. Ultimately, Shake, for being kind of a fringe rotation player, Shake knew nothing but north and south. Yep. He was going to run you over from the guard yep. position. And that was actually a really useful skill when they were downhearted, when they were down maxi, because I don't know, they threw Tyrese out there tonight and I'm thinking like, who else is going to break down the defense here? Who else is going to, yeah, shake might fire up some bad shots. He might run over the guy just because he doesn't have the, as I always make the joke, the shake to get uh, East and West yes. on, on some of the uh, defenders. But like he was, they would throw the ball to him at the end of the shot clock. And in those games, you wouldn't be like, ah, this is a complete disaster that Shake has the ball. Like, he, so he when, can actually make something happen. When Mo Bamba's driving down a lane and he gets stonewalled, did you say he didn't had, have the Mo to finish that? The no. momentum to finish that? No. Well, he didn't have the Mo to play any defense tonight. <laughs> we're going to get to him in the comments. Uh, yeah, so I, I do think when you look at the the players on this roster, now maybe Ubre can kind of become that guy where he'll have a good game every once in a while, although I, I do think Shake could do it within the structure of an offense a little bit better than him. Shake was a, a better ball handler than Kelly. I would say Kelly's an okay ball handler, but Shake Shake's actually, better, he could sure. like run an offense and make very basic reads. Also, he has learned that you are allowed to move your arm and let go of the ball and let it go to another player. Yeah. So it why am I shitting on Kelly Oubre? He had a fantastic game today. Well, Shake's a better passer for sure. Yeah. And it wasn't crazy reads, but it was basic reads. Anyway, I, th I think if the Sixers are down and bead, it's going to be a lot on Maxi. I don't really think they have. I mean, George was another guy too. Where, yeah, okay, you want George just catch and shoot threes when like the games actually matter. Some of the games that actually mattered, you didn't even want him in the game. Um, but when you were down some guys in the regular season, like the other, you know, all eighty-two games count the same. And yep. and George would go minivan mode yep. against uh, against some of the worst teams in the league. I mean, especially so. there's a chance they could end up in the four-five area. Uh, getting home home court would be big. Like a, every every couple of wins in the regular season, for sure. I mean, they don't have as much reliable depth as they had last year. All right, real quick, we'll get back to the game. A quick word from DraftKings. Things are heating up in the ballpark, as we quite literally just saw today. Every team is playing to finish the season strong and make it to the playoffs. With DraftKings Sportsbook, you won't miss a moment of the baseball action. New customers can score $200 instantly in bonus bets for betting just $5 on baseball. Plus, all customers can take a crack at a sweet payday with DraftKings same-game parlays. String together multiple bets from a single game for your shot at a major payout. So what are you waiting for? Download your DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code PHLY. New customers can score $200 instantly in bonus bets for betting just $5 on baseball. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code PHLY. The crown is yours. 
Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, licensee partner Golden Nugget Lake Charles in Louisiana, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. See dkng.co slash baseball for eligibility terms and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets, yeah. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. So I guess moving on a little bit, one of the three questions I sort of posed at the beginning was Danny Green. And I thought Danny Green had another pretty strong performance. And again, this was a player who I don't think any of us really expected much out of Danny Green to start the season. Uh, he ended up with, what did he end up with? Eight points on three for six shooting, including two for two for three from three-point range in 12 minutes. I think he had eight of those points in the first quarter, had the patented Danny Green step back into a corner three, had a, a surprisingly nice hit-ahead pass to Kelly Oubre for a corner three that I gave about a 3% chance of working out, but it did. <laughs> in real time, too. And to be honest, I mean, look, when he was with Cleveland towards the end of the season, coming off of, what was it, LCL and ACL that he tore in Philly against the Hawks, I, knee surgery, multiple knee tears, he did not look like the same player, which was understandable in part because he was coming off a of major surgery, in part because he was 35, but because he was so old and that injury was so severe, you just didn't know if he, I mean, he's still 36. It could just be aging. After having a year and a half off to work on that knee, he looks better. And again, this is probably the best he's going to look all year, but he looks, there's a, a better chance he can actually contribute every now and then than I think I thought. He just looks like he's moving better than I expected. Yeah, it was great to see. And I, I think the other thing you missed was the the nice Danny Green cut he had for his first yeah. three. That that warmed my heart. Yeah. The, the little Danny Green strong side baseline cut. I mean, we, we haven't seen one of those in a while. And I will say, I am going to be biased for Danny. I completely know that even when he was here and he was actually good in that Miami Heat series a couple years ago, there, there are a lot of limitations you have to work around. And it was actually a pretty nice fit having him next to Tyrese, Joel, James, like three guys who can dribble, handle, do all those things. Danny's not really that guy. I, I will fully admit that I want Danny to succeed. Mm -hmm. I love Danny Green. He's just, he's a very good guy. I kind of enjoy watching a guy who can't dribble succeed in the NBA. Like I find that you, you see those stories. Explains why we were such big, big Robert Covington fans all those years. Yeah. We do have a soft spot yeah. for guys who like literally don't know how to dribble, but <laughs> It has been good to see him look like, you know, kind of doing normal Danny Green stuff. Now, will he hold up in even regular season games? I don't know because, like, when teams put him on an island and he's got to move left to right, like, yep. I, I think his feet are going to look like they're in cement. And um, so I'm fully aware of his limitations, but I've, I've liked what I've seen. Do you make anything about, you know, he, he did play under Nick Nurse. He won a title under Nick Nurse. He did. Mr. Three Rings. Uh, do, you, do you make anything of kind of him reuniting with Nick Nurse. I mean, I think that certainly played a part in his desire to come back. I think Nick Nurse certainly knows how to utilize him. But I think ultimately most coaches know how to utilize him and he knows how to play under most schemes. Who was it, the player that came here? It's Glenn Robinson. He's like, I don't know my role. And it's like, you stand in the freaking corner and oh, you yeah. shoot and you play defense. Well, Danny Green's a little bit like that, except he knows that. And he's willing to buy into that. So I don't necessarily know if the coach matters too much. It's mostly just can he get back physically to where he was or at least close to it? And can he put off aging as he gets into his late 30s? So I think it certainly played a role in him coming here. But in terms of like role or anything like that, like he's he's Danny Green. I think most people understand how to use him. Do you? What did you expect? Did you think he was going to make the roster coming into no, training camp? Uh, I think he had a chance because there's a couple other people who have underperformed. And like, you know, Petrusev, I didn't necessarily think had a great chance and he certainly hasn't shown a whole lot so far. Um, now, I thought he had a chance, but now I'd say he's a pretty strong, I wouldn't say a lock, but I think he's a pretty strong case. Very strong case, probably, considering the other options. It's also probably just not a bad guy to have around because 
I think he's probably pretty happy to still be playing in the yeah. NBA. Um, you know, he's somebody. He's not going to require 20 minutes per night. Like he's not going to, you know, complain. You don't think. And and look, like getting through the regular season is important, as we say all the time. And you know, guys who don't necessarily fit in a playoff rotation can still help you get to be in a good spot in the playoffs. And I think Robinson didn't know his role. I just, I, that, that was one of those quotes that just shook me. Like how, how do you not know your, your Glenn freaking Robinson? How do you not know? Uh, anyway, those, those 1926ers, man, they were, <laughs> that was not a fun group. I mean, do you remember when Glenn Robinson and I guess it was Burks was the other one who came yeah, over from, yep. remember we, we made the jokes about how they, <laughs> it took like the Oregon trail yep, to get them across yep. the country or what whatever. And then they ended up being, Alec Burks and Gwen Robinson. It wasn't like, uh, you know, like the, the greatest hall in the world. There. Well, I mean, Burks had a, a a stretch there where I think fans bought in. And it's like, no, there's a reason he bounces around. Well, he knows how to dribble the ball and shoot. He and does. And at that point, they didn't have anybody else who could do that. No. Yeah. And, and Danny Green can't dribble the ball, but he can shoot. And uh, he does all the It's like things. when we get Devon back and we're like, oh, my God, that's an actual radio guy. He's the best person ever. You know, just because we don't have that skill set. And Devon's valuable, but like he will stand out is what I'm saying. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, so we'll see. You know, I, I I don't think Danny should be in like the rotation come opening night, right? I mean, maybe maybe he will be, honestly. I'm, I'm not even sure about that at this point. Kind of depends on... He's another one who I think would look better with uh, James. On a totally. Yeah. What, what do you mean? The guy who dribbles the ball all the time? <laughs> right. Danny Green would look better with him? Absolutely. 100%. So, uh, yeah, I think... Uh, I think he's just a good guy to have around though. And like, look, if he only plays, you know, once a week, twice a week, and you know, he gives you 10 to 15 minutes, that's probably good for his joints, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> As an older gentleman, myself, a few, a, a couple fewer minutes definitely helps the joints, especially the day after. Come on. I appreciate you looking out, out for us old men, Rich. I appreciate it. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, outside. I, I think we touched on the, Backup center spots. But man, watching Paul Reed, and Paul Reed statistically had a, a fine game today. What do you end up with? Uh, like Paul Reed, nine, yeah, five it. for nine, 10 points, seven rebounds, five assists. I think when you watch it, it's a little more out of control than those numbers would suggest. And then you add in Mo Bamba, who's a, a different story, but just not contributing in any good way. I think Paul Reed will get better when he's A, playing 12 to 15 minutes per night primarily as Embiid's backup with James Harden, if he does show up, spoon-feeding him shots and short rolls. Whereas right now, I've, I, we and we talked about this the other day, it's like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm glad Nick's empowering some of the young players, but that comes with some responsibility too. And Paul hasn't necessarily balanced, which is fine. It's game two of the preseason, but he had, hasn't been great so far. But Mo Bamba was just terrible these two games. Awful. Uh, like, like if if they miss time, I'm worried about the backup centers. But I think I think Paul Reed will like, you know, work his way back into being a capable and reliable backup center. I'm worried about Mo. So let's start with Paul. And again, there's probably a reason that the former fifth pick and fifth pick in the draft becomes a minimum salary guy. So let's start with Paul. Are you worried about him losing his backup center? No. Uh, because he has more on his plate, though. I worry a, li a little bit, a little bit. Like, I, he's one of those players who I think when you give him a little bit of rope, he'll take a lot of rope. And I think he's much better when he's... This is one thing, again, we talked about it the other day. Doc Rivers was wrong because he played two of the worst players in a league over Paul Reed in DeAndre Jordan and Montrezl Harrell. And we criticized him for it. We'll continue to criticize him for it. He wasn't necessarily wrong to ask Paul to play a very defined role because I think when Paul's playing that defined role, he doesn't freelance as much. He sticks to his strengths, doesn't use his weaknesses. When Paul Reed is rolling to the rim, um, you know, switching on defense and crashing the glass, he's a very valuable NBA player. When he tries to ISO from 20 feet out, a little less valuable. I completely agree. And um, you could tell, like, I forget what the exact quote was. I, I was talking to him um, after, I, I think it was game one of the net series last year where he had that crazy move and he played really well in that game. Right. And I think I gave, gave him like an off hand question. Like, you know, would, would, would have doc have yelled and screamed at you? And he was like, basically like, yeah, he would have yelled and screamed at me. And I, I think 
Paul had gotten sick of Doc. I, I think Paul and maybe D House. Well, and, and Paul just really wanted to play. Like if you told him to do anything and like if you don't do this, you're not going to play. He probably would have listened. But now that he's established as sort of like the backup center, he has a coach who's empowering him. You know, I, again, first half of the season, experiment, do whatever you want, as long as Paul can then flip a switch and not throw possessions away when the playoffs come around. He'll need to show that. Well, look, there's a push and pull. Like, you're right. Doc was right to focus on those strengths, but he also was wrong to play Trez ahead of him. That was crazy. Like, yeah. Paul is a, a viable, good backup center. Trez was not an NBA rotation player last year. And DeAndre Jordan was worse. Yeah. So, um, so overall, it, it will be interesting. Um, he has not played well in these games. I, I would posit this to you, though. Is Porzingis just a bad matchup for him? Like, it's, yeah, he's huge. He's very tall. He's a very tall human being. Yeah. And and I think we have complimented Paul and that his craft has gotten a lot better around the rim. Some of those flip shots, some of those spin moves. I it's think, tough when the guy has eight inches on you. Yes, you're right. And, and I think Porzingis, his positioning was good enough there, playing him in a very deep drop coverage where he's around the rim, where, you know, let's say if Paul was playing against Mo Bamba, he might be able to just run around him, yep. uh, and score. But against Porzingis, it feels like a lot of times in these first couple games, he's having to make those flip shots over top of Chris Stapps. Yep. And it's been unsuccessful. And, and I don't think that is all surprising. That said, Chris Stapps is a pretty rare guy in the NBA. They, they've called him a unicorn. If you, uh, They still call him that, by the yeah. way, even though he's like, you know, that, that was the term when everybody thought he had like super duper star potential. Yeah. And yet people still call him that. Yeah. I mean, he is, there just aren't that many like true legit stretch fives who can also protect the rim. But to your point, when he was called a unicorn, people thought he would do that and score like 26 points efficiently. And that outside, what do you average last year? 22, 23, something in that range. Uh, and that was a career year. He's been good. He hasn't been as good as people thought. And myself included. I was very big on the Chris Epps. So, so my general point on the backup center is I am not worried about Paul. Um, I mean, I, I, I'm a little worried about him handling the responsibility, but there is a very good NBA backup center there. We've seen that. Like, we've seen that in the playoffs that he's a very good backup center in the NBA. I mean, God, think about game one against the Celtics last year. Like, just having the the stones to, to make that, get that rebound, that yep. loose ball at the end of the game, and then make the free throw. Like, mm -hmm. remember Harden gave him, what, he had an N1, I think, too? Or he yep. made two free throws. I forget exactly what happened. He was massive, and that was a key spot. And and I do love that Paul Reed just has the. Eh, it's just like I don't care, you know. This doesn't phase me, you know. Yep. I, I'm. And he'll give you effort every game. Yep, every game. So, MJT in the chat bringing up Isaiah Joe. Don't do that to me, man. I I, I mourn the loss of Isaiah Isaiah Joe almost every day. Okay, you got to bring that up. So I'm not worried about Paul. Uh, he should be the backup center when the games actually matter, and the big guy is uh, is here. You are worried about Mo. <sighs> All right. Before we get to that, a quick word from game time. Watching tonight's Phillies game turned out to not be stressful. I'm very, very thankful of that. It was terrific. Buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful either. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. Checked out prices for... Standing room only for the Phillies tomorrow. Tough one. Bit out of budget. But I was legitimately, I was looking through those tickets while uh, while we were watching the Sixers game. Might have been multitasking a little bit. And while I haven't had a chance to pull the trigger yet, game time giving me a view of the seats before I buy means I'll know what I'm getting into when I shell out just a truly absurd amount of money to get into Citizens Bank Park. Game time is the place for last minute tickets. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. You get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. The Game Time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets for the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. It's the fastest growing ticking app in the country for a reason. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code PHLY for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code PHLY for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Yeah, Mo's been terrible. 
I don't know other any other way to <laughs> phrase that. Both games, he's been really, really bad. And bad, again, bad at what? Basketball. Oh, Where, did you have something more specific? No, no. I just kind of wanted to, uh, to expand on that. You know, he's been caught in no man's land defending pick and rolls. Ah. He hasn't contested shots. He's also given up lobs in between. His rebounding's been bad. Like you're huge, pursue the ball. His shot selection's been bad. He's tried to put the ball on the floor and and been a complete disaster. I don't. I have anything. And look, he's a good kid. He's big. He's got some skills. He can legitimately shoot the three ball when it's going for him. He has to put way more of that together to earn a spot in the rotation. I mean, you, you mentioned at the start, uh, you know, the, the offense and those things, I'm, you know, you have to finish easy layups. You have to get rebounds, all those things. How many balls was he going to let over yeah. his head? Tonight? His defense was bad today. In the third quarter, you were seven feet how tall is he? Two, three, something like that. He's big. He's big. He's huge. He is big. Good. You're, you're nailing the the specifics right now. Um, but I, I feel like we have been kind of spoiled watching Joe play that count mass game in the uh, in mm-hmm. the drop coverage. You know, like, and he's had some real battles. You know, like Trey Young at his absolute best against uh, against Joe in the cat and mouse game. That was some of the worst cat and mouse defense yeah, I have no. ever seen in my life. How many balls were? He just let Nemius Cato, who, again, is another guy who, if that guy plays Joel, Joe puts three fouls on him in about 20 seconds and gets him out of the game. He looked like, I mean, it was unbelievable. Like yeah. he, he looked like Ronald Acuna watching the ball go over his head the night the entire time <laughs> to make a, uh, a cross-sport reference here. It was awful. And I just was like thinking, Mo, how about you back up a step and just make Peyton Pritchard or whoever the hell has the ball, make him make a flick. How yeah. Give him a chance, you know, like, and I felt bad on a couple of those possessions. Springer was actually chasing around the, uh, the screen. Okay. And yeah. It's like, you have a good recovery guy. Yep. How about you like, let him have a chase down block. Just protect the lob. How about you just put the onus the on, on the ball handler. Yep, but I agree. I, the first rule of drop coverage is don't let the ball go over your head. <laughs> right. It's literally the first thing. And he did it like four times in a row. Yeah. And by the way, not his first year. No, it's not. No, it's not even his first contract anymore. Um, no, he's, he's, he's really struggled. I don't, again, hopefully it doesn't matter because Joe plays and read, but it's going to matter at some point. Like Joe's not playing 82. <laughs> You're going to need him at some point, right? And he's not been reliable in any real way. At least when they, you mentioned the, sh- the, the stretch with shake last year at kind of the beginning of December, early or uh, late November, early December. Uh, like they had to play Trez in those games and Trez wasn't good, but like, he did like one or two positive things, right? No, like, he's been better than Mo. Uh, so, look, when the bar is Trez and you're not clearing it, uh, <laughs> right. we got some issues here. So, a Trez who hasn't been able to jump in three years, you're still not clearing that bar. Yeah. And I, I feel like I've always had a soft spot for Bamba just because the game uh, where Joe scored 50 on him and Bamba had like 35. Remember, he was making all those yeah. threes in Philly and Joe just said... Well, that's part of it too. Like, he's a little bit like Kelly Oubre where like... He's big. He can shoot threes. He, he can get hot from the perimeter. There's going to be games where it's like, man, can you please stop shooting that? But there are games where he's going to get hot. And it's like if he just makes the right plays more often than he does, he's not going to be a star, but he's a useful, serviceable NBA player, and he's just never been there. NBA just asked, uh, was Mo this bad with LA? He was hurt. Uh, yeah. So it was kind of a weird trade where Orlando kind of gave up on him. Yep. He goes to LA. Uh, Orlando had a bunch of bigs like you could maybe find an excuse there but like he was a fifth former fifth pick in the draft and look I I get that he's the brother of the star player but they chose Mo Wagner um, which Mo Wagner is a you know a guy who kind of uh, you know he's a good player but I I think Mo Bamba should be uh, should be ahead of him so I'm sorry Mo was a sixth pick in the draft my ah. apologies about that we are a stickler for accuracy here. Okay. That's important. Yeah, I, I have not been encouraged by him. And he's, the funny thing, too, is like, when you hear him talk, he's like a really smart, kind of cerebral type yep. of guy. And he's even gotten some claims like, does he actually love basketball? And I know he's tomorrow. kind of pushed back on that. And I'm sure he does love basketball. You can stand in the right place when you're on the that's just That's just what it comes down to. And tonight was a complete failure in that regard. And just very basic things. Like, I don't know, man. Like, 
think about when you're kind of a, a drop. You've got to stand in the right place. You make it sound so difficult. When you're a drop coverage big, you got to be good at that because right. if you're not good at that, then there's so many other ways defenses can expose that type of player. If you're not good at the one thing you're supposed to do, I, I don't know. So it was pretty rough. You know who else was rough? Bias. Bias is a real, and look, I don't necessarily care too much because Tobias is going to be who Tobias is. But shot two for nine, nine points, didn't make a three. Again, I don't really care too much because I know, what is Tobias, 30, 31 at this point? Like he's not at the age where he's still going to get better. Not yet at the age where we expect him to get worse. He just kind of is who he is. And maybe every now and then you can put him in a certain role and get, unlock 10% better Tobias. But like, you know who he is. He's not going to be this bad all the time. It almost feels silly to talk about it because who really cares who's good and bad in a preseason game if it's not projectable going forward. I expect him to bounce back to where he was, but uh, he was not good. Yeah, he. Uh, I think uh, Tobias, uh, would you say he frustrates you more than anybody who uh, who plays like what? No, Kelly Oubre. Well, I think the... Uh, the funny, the funny thing is the chat is uh, is kind of going crazy about like Tobias not playing that well. Yeah. And I would tell you that Derek is the same exact way. Yeah. Like watching Tobias, there was the one pull-up jumper where he could have went all the way to the rim mm-hmm. and he settles for what? Like a six-footer and he yeah. missed it? No, like, that baseline one. Yeah, no, he's, he's... And again, he's... I give him a lot of credit. Not just because he's a good guy, but because he buys into his role. He'll defend... If you ask him to, if you want him to be on ball, he'll play on ball. If you want him to be a low usage off ball player, he'll do it. And I give I give people who embrace different roles like that, especially this year where he's going to be in a contract year, I give them a lot of credit. But he does drive the ever living like he drives me insane for sure, for sure. It's the problem with him though is that and like, there has been a little too much. And look, they're missing a lot of they're missing fifty points from their lineup. Right, been a little too much Toby time for my liking. The, the problem with him is the uh, the process is the same every time, yeah. right? There's not like a, a way for him to leverage his ability against a worse team. I mean, the, the way against a worse team he leverages his ability is he posts them up. And sure, when he, he gets the likes of Peyton Pritchard on the, uh, on the block, yes, that is a higher percentage shot than it is when yep. he's the first option in Los Angeles. But it's still not great. Yeah. And again, I think when the... Regular season comes around, and when you know there is your regular players back, I think he's going to be the same person he normally is. Which again, I give him credit for embracing his role and defending. When the regular season and Joe and Harden get back, the only thing I'm really going to be is like, can you please just take more threes? Can you stop going into a shell when you miss? Because he's not going to have these post ups. And all that to drive me insane. But when the post-ups and the ISOs and the pull-ups are there, yeah, that that frustrates me for sure. All right, we have Kyle Newbeck joining us live from the uh, arena. Real quick, though, before we get to Kyle. Kyle, you're going to have to wait and listen to my wonderful ad read so that we can then let you in on the, on the final segment. Foco is a leading manufacturer of sports and entertainment merchandise with a product line that includes apparel, accessories, toys, collectibles, novelty items, and more. It's the best officially licensed gear for all sports and fandoms. With it being football and tailgating season, it means overalls, hoodies, hats, sunglasses, bags, everything you need for a game, FOCO has it. And FOCO has hooked PHLY up and provided awesome pieces for our sets. FOCO always has our back for Philly sports, and they have yours too. Get the best gear around by using the link in our description. For all non-presale items, use the promo code PHLY for 10% off. All right, Kyle, you there? I cannot hear. I think we're having a little trouble with Kyle's audio. (laughs) It's preseason for us. (laughs) It is preseason for us. We'll pretend that Kyle is giving us fantastic insight into what Nick Nurse said after the game and about Joel Embiid's availability. I'm definitely going to give you fantastic insight. Oh, oh, there we go. There we go. The pod just got 10% worse. How are you doing, Kyle? Yeah, what's up, fellas? Well, you know, Derek missed his cue by about 10 minutes, so that's how you know he's a professional podcaster. Uh, obviously, what, as you guys I mean, both well. know. What cue are you talking about? 
The cue you got in Slack at 10.08. I'm not in Slack. I'm in the middle of a show. Well, listen, you knew somebody was coming on, and I'm going to give you grief because you missed the cue, just like you do every day to start the show. Anyway, as you guys both know, the Wells Fargo Center is always a complete disaster with things happening around us. There is a slightly better media room this year, so whenever you guys actually make it here, you'll be thrilled about that, but... Go Phils, obviously, the most important thing of the night. They, they waited for us to leave. Yeah. No, they didn't. Well, uh, and, and everybody, we always made the joke that when we tried to podcast in the past, we uh, you would sit in one of the rooms of the Wells Fargo Center, and there was just chaos. There was just always somebody moving something or banging pots and pans. It was, it was unbelievable. But, uh, Kyle, let me ask you, what did uh, Nick Nurse have to say after the game? Uh, So he wasn't thrilled with the offensive performance. I think probably all of us would agree they were not at their sharpest anywhere except for maybe transition and pushing the pace a little bit. He was more satisfied with how they played game one against Boston than game two, which I tend to agree with. Uh, But all these guys are pretty much viewing it as a work in progress, new roles, new roster, new guys. And I think the big thing is – Joel Embiid, and I know James Harden might not ever play for them again, but the two biggest pieces have not played. So, I mean, we can hyperanalyze everything and say things are not running as intended, but the real problem is the guy who's going to be the fulcrum of the offense and the captain on defense has not suited up yet. So really don't have a, a clear picture of what's going to happen yet. About that before the game, um, what are the chances that we see Embiid there for uh, for Monday's preseason game? So our our buddy Timmy Strawpoles asked the question before the game, essentially asking Nick, like, look, these guys are both healthy as far as we can tell. Is it a fair expectation that they'll both play Monday? And Nurse danced around it a little bit, said it is a fair expectation, but you know. I don't know if he, I would bet on it, I think was the, the wording was something along those lines. So giving himself some outs and giving the team some outs, I don't know if we're going to see either one of those guys on Monday. So, you know, this wonderful preseason that we have to cover just marches on as we cover the, the Jaden Springer victory tour, I think is probably the, the highlight other than Kelly Oubre making a bunch of threes tonight. No, we spent at least 20 minutes on, on, on Jaden today. I never expected to spend this much time talking about James Springer. I'm happy to be wrong. Uh, in terms yeah, of, I would uh, say before you move on, Derek, I, I wrote this in the recap tonight. My early thing that I think might piss fans off is I have a hunch that Pat Bev might get too many minutes relative to Jaden Springer in the early going, and I think that's the. The first, like, why is Nick Nurse doing this of the year? If I had to guess, what else? What else did Nick say uh, stood out there in, uh, in today's game? I mean, not a whole lot, quite frankly. These guys lost by double digits to a team that didn't start either. They're two stars, either. I think the, the overall messaging is pretty boring, but you know, it is the preseason, and they're working through like look, there are some positive things that they've done. I think he likes that they're trying to get after it defensively. They're not always succeeding at that, and they're fouling too much. I think I heard you guys talking a bit about Mo Bamba. I think one of the the most infuriating plays of the entire night was him picking up a foul basically at the other rim, chasing an offensive rebound that he never got close to. I think he's probably been, if he's not the biggest disappointment so far, he's certainly been up there. So that's the kind of stuff that I think Nick has said they want to cut down on is playing aggressive, but not playing so aggressive that you're fouling and taking stupid fouls. Kyle, two guys we have not talked too much about tonight. Um, We did talk a lot about Bamba. What'd you make of Tyrese tonight? And uh, on the positive, we didn't really talk a lot about Kelly Oubre, who had that great first half tonight. Yeah, so Kelly and Tyrese were the two podium guys, as you know. Whenever somebody goes to the podium, very special, very important, especially in the preseason. But I liked and loved Tyrese. I thought, obviously, the first game against Boston was better. Tonight, I thought he got a little too bogged down in some of the side-to-side DHOs. There are some exceptions to that, certainly. There was a play 
along the sideline where he coasted by Porzingis, got to the rim and scored. Some other, obviously, you know, his, his outside touch was not quite there tonight. I do like that he really seems to be taking to this whole pushing the pace, getting out and transition mandate that they've been given. So that's good. I I wrote after the game on Kelly. I think if he played like that, or has he played in the first half every single night, he'd be on like a $20 million a year contract, like spot up shooter, filling lanes on defense, big body athletic and not trying to do too, too much. But as you guys know, that's kind of the whole problem with Kelly is that you can only get him to do what I think people want him to do for small stretches of time. And then, he does this sort of pull your hair out infuriating stuff that people don't like, but I was pleasantly surprised by him tonight. And if he can keep playing like that, he's going to lock down a rotation spot very easily. He is not here to fit in Kyle. Not he's here to here. stand out, baby. So I guess in terms of you, you mentioned him. what do you think of Jaden's performance? And is he on your all NBA team yet? <laughs> I don't know if I'm, maybe the second team. I don't know if I can get him on the first team quite yet. I'd say a little bit of a, or not a little bit, a, definitely a quieter performance, but you still see a couple of wow plays as we saw the other night. Like I think the big one, I'm sure you guys probably spotlighted, got Al Horford on an island at one point in this game, went right at him, hit him with a spin move into a pull-up mid-range jumper. And that was sort of his game at, at Tennessee, right? It's something that we saw that was probably going to translate was that, that in-between game. But I just think seeing him do that kind of stuff and just mentally be ready for it and ready to attack guys, it's definitely a step forward where there was a lot more hesitation. Maybe some of that is the coaching staff, the previous coaching staff, I should say, reining him in a little bit and saying, you're the young guy, you're the rookie you need to play a certain way. And Nick is just saying, look, you're out there, man, go out and, you know, carve your own lane. So I I think we've seen a lot more from him than I expected. And, you know, Nick has been singing his praises. So I would not be surprised if he's right on the verge of a rotation spot coming into the year. I don't think we can lock that in yet, but you know, if he keeps playing like this, it's going to be impossible to keep him off the floor. I'm sure you guys probably have already said that already in 15 different ways. You, you mentioned exceeding expectations. Safe to say DG has done that through two games for you? Oh, I mean, I think just Danny being able to move at all is wildly past my expectations. I kind of figured at this point, it's like, look, if he can hit some standstill threes, that's fine. And that'll give him a place on the roster, period. But if he can do what he was doing in the first half tonight, where he's obviously his whole strength, his whole career was positioning and intelligence and just being a great team defender. We saw in the Hawks series, you can't ask that guy to be a lockdown isolation individual defender, but if he can move well enough that he can you know, get into passing lanes, create turnovers and just be in the right spots at the right times, he's somebody that's always going to have value to a team. Got to knock a couple shots down tonight. That obviously helped. If he would have made, I don't know if you guys remember the play, could have been watching the Phillies game at this point. He attempted a reverse layup at one point, and I believe it was the first <laughs> half. I would have fallen out of my chair if he was able to make that shot. And I didn't get to talk to him after the game in the locker room. But I just love seeing him have enough juice in his legs that he was able to get an attempt like that off. Well, I told Derek before the game, it kind of reminded me of some of the COVID year games where he was completely, you know, they didn't have any ball handler, so he was just firing shots up. But yes, he, he took off from about eight feet there and uh, he did not get to the uh, the landing zone on that one in the way you would like. So. We love some Danny Green YOLO ball, I would say. Yeah, a couple pull-ups in, in transition. We're good to go. We're good to go. Bring back memories. All right, I think uh, I think that's uh, about all we need from you, Kyle. Go finish up what you had to do at the stadium, and we'll wrap this up. Well, which is to say basically nothing because it's the preseason and everybody was watching the Phillies hit dingers all night. I, <laughs> mm-hmm. Happy to report what, that the Phillies were drawing the biggest applause. what was going on in the studio, applause. too. Yeah. <laughs> all right, fellas, I'll catch you later.
All right. Take care. Take care. And if you have any questions in the chat, feel free to drop them. We'll get to a couple here as we wrap up today's show. Uh, yeah, look, 0 for 2 against Boston. Don't care at all. Don't care. I really don't care about the score in a preseason game. You're playing without him. Okay, sure. They were missing a few key players too. Playing without Embiid and Harden. Might have to get used to one of those two. But the fact that you, and, and there's certainly been struggles. And we talked about Mobamba a bit there. If Jaden Springer looks like the NBA player is a positive preseason for me. It's really what it comes down to. Yeah. And uh, I saw, um, uh, I'm not going to try to pronounce that. I'm sorry. But uh, somebody in the chat said that they're curious to see how uh, Ubre plays alongside Embiid. Uh, he should get some more open looks. Yeah. Like I think Ubre in some ways, like if he could, Try to play like Danny Green a little oh, bit. That would be huge. It would Man, be that huge. Would, that would be Danny Green circa 2015, sure. 2016. That's why people like Kelly Oubre frustrate me so much is because you know he can do better. You know he can be a serviceable player. You know he can help you win. It's just, well, please do it. Well, please. Like, and, and you mentioned if, the passing is so bad, right? It's like non-existent. Yeah. But Danny's not a passer either. No. I know he threw the, as you mentioned, he threw the full court one the night. That, insane. I can't believe that happened. That Kelly caught. But uh, again, we're not going to rely on that moving forward. But uh, I, I do think like if he just leans into smart cutting, smart moving without the basketball and like corner threes, you know, shots you can make, yeah. catch and shoot shots. All right. And you if might, you don't you have it, then play. kick it out and swing it around and reset the offense instead of taking a horrible 20 foot leaner. That's all. It's really not, you're not asking too much from him. And, you know, he's a little bit different than Danny Green, too, where Kelly Oubre... can run and jump? Well, yeah, but Danny Green, terrible one-on-one defender, still a pretty smart team defender. Right. Kelly Oubre, not a smart team defender. Actually, might be pretty able to hold up yeah. one-on-one a little bit. So, I'm, like, I said this before the game, I'm not giving up on Kelly Oubre being a rotation player. I, I am excited to at least see that well, attempted. I think he'll be a rotation player because they have one other wing. I'm saying like a good good rotation. Okay, that's a fair point. Look, he can. He 100% can. I'm not confident, but he can. I hope. I hope. I hope I'm wrong. I truly do. I hope basketball is more fun to watch when you have athletic guys who can run and jump, and he can do that. If he just makes fewer negative plays, he'll have a spot. Uh, Real quick, because again, we've talked about Kelly Oubre and Danny Green for a long time here. Felt like this would have been a good spot for Harden to play. I think there, well, there was very few people at that in that game, just from an optics standpoint. Sure, there was almost nobody there. So if he got booed, it was going to be by four people in the, uh, you know, like the middle section. And also, you know, after the game, it's not like there's a ton of local media there. They're across no. the street. Everybody's no. talking to the Phillies yeah. after that game. So it did feel like a little bit of a missed opportunity. Could have been a Friday news dump. Totally. No, it's not Friday, but you get my point. Would have been a classic Wednesday night <laughs> yeah. where everybody's paying attention to the other thing. And I feel like it's a little bit of a missed opportunity. Now, maybe they'll trot him out. I guess that game is in Brooklyn next week? Yeah, Monday. All right, so maybe they'll do that, and that'll be easier. But. Or maybe he won't play for another three weeks. We really don't know. It was wild going out to Colorado State. And everyone you talk to on both sides of the dispute is like, I don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. I have no idea. I don't know what the next hour is going to bring. And both sides, it's the only thing in the world that both sides agree on. And I still think that's mostly true. I don't think anybody truly knows what's going to happen next week. Well, it's just funny that we could be in a situation where, oh, yeah, there's no drama. The practices are fine. He's a professional. But then he's like, I'm not playing. Yeah. And what happens when he says that? And does he say that? I don't know. That's why everybody's going to have to stay tuned for the next couple of weeks. I mean, we definitely know he wants his money. So something he's going to have to be around the team in some form so that, that 30-day clock doesn't stop. I don't know. We'll see. Look, he honestly, he looks good. And we made so many fat suit jokes in the offseason. Physically, he looks fine. When we've seen clips from him in practice, he's looked engaged. I hope he comes and plays and comes to the realization that if he wants to actually get where he wants to go and get that next contract, Playing basketball and playing well and being a normal basketball player is the best way for him to accomplish that. I hope I hope he comes that realization because I think that's where any everyone benefits most. But I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Are you confident of that? Yep. No. All right. 
Thank you all for tuning in. Uh, hit the subscribe button on YouTube. Hit, hit the bell notification. You can get notifications whenever we go on the air. Thank you, Rich, for jumping on, and we will talk to you soon. <laughs> 